Hey everyone, welcome back to Lash Boss Radio. I'm Shelby, your host, and I am joined today by Faith Watkins. She is Faith Marie Lash Artistry on Instagram. Today we're going to talk about growth, mindset, building your business, and also curating an awesome client experience. So welcome to the show, Faith. Hey everyone, welcome back to Lash Boss Radio. I'm Shelby, your host, and today I'm joined by Faith Watkins. She is a lash artist here in Austin. You guys can find her at Faith Marie Lash Artistry on Instagram. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. I'm really excited. Um, we've been talking about this for a little bit now, and yeah, I'm just excited to bring you on, and um, hopefully we can do more like this since you're right around the corner. Yeah, it's my my first podcast, so I'm excited. This is so fun and new for me. Yeah. So super exciting. So to start, um, can you share just a little bit about how you got your start in the industry and all that? Yeah, so um, I'm a licensed esthetician. I went to school at Aveda, and I kind of went just with the thought of, like, I don't know necessarily what I want to do with this, but I'm going to do something with it. Um, I was always really interested in makeup in high school, and I thought maybe I would go into, like, permanent brows, something along those lines. Um, Got my license, and then I was offered an apprenticeship for a lash artist in Bastrop, Texas, um, I worked there for a year and a half, just kind of learned my craft, perfected my skill. And then I went closer to home, opened up a studio in Austin. Um, and yeah, it's been a journey from there. I moved away to Oklahoma for a little bit and then now I'm back. When you did the apprenticeship, was that with the expectation or Uh, Was it already set out that you were going to do it for a certain amount of time or what was your plan at that time? My plan at that time was really just to be a sponge and to learn all that I could about lash artistry, but also just running a business. Um, The lash artist that I was working for was very established, like had a full clientele, knew what she was doing. Um, So I feel like I did a really good job of just taking it all in. Um, And so, yeah, I did that for a year and a half until I felt like my skill was at a point where I could go on my own. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, when I branched off onto my own, like it it ended up being amazing. Um, And And it's a different area because you're more North Austin. Like that's not near Bastrop at all. No, not at all. You really had to like build your clientele by yourself. Thankfully, I kept a lot of my clients, which I'm so appreciative of. Like, I still see them today. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I did have to rebuild, but I'm from Austin. So I definitely had connections just through, like, people that I know. Um, But, yeah, so I've relocated my business three times. Wow. So once out of state and then Bastrop to Austin. That's right, because for a short amount of time, you you were in, like, Oklahoma or something. Yeah. And then you came back. Mm Mm-hmm. So um, 2020, whenever COVID happened, I ended up moving to a tiny little town in Oklahoma. Um, It was new for me in a lot of different ways. It was very scary. Um, Just with COVID and just, like, living in a new state, you know, having to rebuild my business, I definitely did not know what I was getting into. Um, but it taught me so much. And it, yeah. Yeah. I'd love to hear about like the building of the clientele. Yeah. Because you have had to do it a couple of times. So um, especially for somebody that's brand new and they're trying to do this right now. Like what things have you learned? Yeah. So what I think is really cool, um, just with that being said, is like, I feel like I've had experience like building a clientele in a bigger city like Austin, but also in a really small town like Altus, Oklahoma. Um, And so building a clientele in both places is very different. Um, In Austin, I feel like I've utilized social media, hashtags and word of mouth like so much, Um, really focusing on all three of those things, I feel like is what got me a clientele that I feel very comfortable with, that I love seeing, that, you know, it's just very easy for me to run my business. Um, And then in Oklahoma, it was really Facebook groups. 
So it was a military town. And so I was, you know, posting in, you know, the military spouse groups, you know, connecting with people that way, um, just like talking to people, like saying like, hey, I'm a lash artist because I was one of not that many. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say in both places, word of mouth yeah. has always been my like number one, you know, top way of building my clientele. What's interesting is there's a external, um, like looking for clients and marketing. That's all like external actions, but word of mouth actually comes from a lot of internal things in your company. Once they're actually in there, what's going to make them talk about you after is what actually happened in the service. So can you talk about things that, you know, bring your clients back in time after time? So I would say like the obvious answer to that is like having a referral program. And that's something that I feel like did bring me a lot of really good clients is like telling my clients like, hey, I'm I'm doing this referral thing. Like if you bring a friend, like I'll give you this amount of money off and them. That helped me a lot. And it got me a lot of uh, like minded clients, um, but also just creating a friendship with the client that makes them feel like they're coming to me for yes my service but but also just to like know me and like to build a relationship with me um and I think that just looks like being interested in their lives you know being thoughtful of what they're needing are they needing to just chill are they needing to you know, have listening ears, are they needing, you know, whatever it is that day, just being very empathetic Mm -hmm. and caring and just really placing a lot of value in having a bond and a connection with this person. It sounds like it's more about what you're providing to them versus looking at it like, I want to talk about myself during your appointment that you're paying for. Because I think that matters too. 100%. 100%. I feel like it's, I feel like we always hear like, keep it business, you know, keep it business professional, whatever. But I feel like what has gotten me to a point where I have such strong connections with my clients is like, those those really good conversations and and being empathetic to what they're needing in the day Mm -hmm. you know if you're having a rough day and you know it's the end of the day and you really just need to chill like let's put on your favorite podcast like is there an audio book you're reading that we can listen to like you know whatever it is but I think the idea of keep it business it has the right idea of like you want to be able to enforce policies, right? But you also, the loyalty and client retention a lot of times comes from the bond that they build with the artist. So it's almost like this dance of both. Do you have um, any like tools or like lessons and like boundaries that you have still in those like personalized client relationships? Yeah, I feel like in any friendship, there's always a level of respect like from the jump. Like, Mm. I have respect for you, your time, you know, your money, you know, just you coming to see me and taking time out of your day. When that respect is established, I feel like it's really easy to like keep your boundaries in place. Um, I'm trying to think of like an example of of how that would play out, but I think just (sighs) making sure that hard to word like not being too not having the relationship be so like I don't know friendship not friendship oriented Eh, like to where (laughs) so are you saying more like they still know to respect you because you've taught them that or you've given that yourself to them yeah I well for one I feel like enforcing like policies from the start like that was something I didn't do in the beginning was I didn't have any like consent forms I didn't have any like hey this is my policies like please sign here and let me know that you read this having that helped me a lot but also just having the friendship with the client and having the respect there to where they know like 
this is still a business. Like, yes, this is someone that I trust and that someone that I respect and I go to for services, but also, you know, it is her business and this is what she does for a living. So, like, I'm going to respect it. Do you ever excuse certain things? Like, do you ever, if it's a situation, do you look at it situationally? If somebody has to late cancel or something, or is it always black and white? I definitely don't operate black and white. Mm -mm. Especially now, a lot of the clientele I have right now, I've known for years. Mm -hmm. Um, And like I said, that respect is so established that I know if, you know, for instance, they have to cancel last minute. It's probably something, you know, good because, you know, I know this person. I know their life. I know that they respect me and my time and my business. So it's definitely not black and white for me. But also if I get a new person in and I do notice like, you know, some some I don't necessarily want to call them red flags, but, you know, something that needs to be more put into place as far as boundaries goes that's talked about in a way that is friendly and professional and also just, you know, moving forward, this is mm-hmm. what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's not going to be a good fit. <laughs> Love it. Um, in terms of like building your clientele, did you have in mind like a f- final number that you wanted to get to or a certain amount of hours per week that you wanted to be working on clients? Did you set any goals for yourself? Like, with these arbitrary, like an arbitrary goal of like, I want this many clients a day, this many times a week. Um, is that what you were working towards or? No. Um, I feel like the only goal as far as like how many of this or how much of this I really want is just my pricing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've always strived to be at the pricing I'm at right now. Um, And I feel like what has gotten me here is like having such strong connections with long-term clients um, and utilizing word of mouth because I'm getting like-minded clients through my, my valued clients that I have. Um, But as far as wanting a specific amount of clients per day, I think just from lashing for so long, I know that it's kind of an ebbs and flows thing. Um, like there will be months that are a little bit slower than the others, you know, that's just kind of how it's always been for me. Um, I have a lot of things that I like to do outside of work. And I feel like I'm in a place right now where work is a big focus for me, but it's also not my main focus. Like I don't want to be lashing all day, you know, like I want to have other activities that I'm doing outside of work that I, you know, really love. I want to be able to nurture my connections with my friends and my family. I want to be able to work on my fi- like physical health, um, do all of those kinds of things. So I would say, you know, as long as my bills are paid and I am in a place that is flexible and, um, you know, everything's being taken care of, that's kind of more of how I look at it, not necessarily like, I want to do this every single day, you know, whatever. So speaking of outside stuff, is there anything that you do outside of work that actually spills into your work life that like maybe helps you professionally too? Yeah. Um, I would say, Ooh, there's a lot. Um, podcasts and reading because whenever I lash, I listen to podcasts um, so dabbling in those things outside of work and then being able to come to my clients and be like, girl, you got to listen to this. Or like, you have to read this book. Like I was telling you, like, um, stuff like that. Um, therapy, you know, being in therapy outside of work has helped me a lot. Even though I don't really run my business in a way that I talk to every client for the entire fill. Um, whenever I do get certain glimpses into people's lives, I feel like I'm able to give, you know, more insightful answers, but also managing myself, Mm -hmm. you know, therapy has helped me a lot in that. Yeah. I think also those that go to therapy don't feel like they have to in appointments, tell their clients all their problems. 100%. I have done that. I have been the last artist who is also a therapist and it just became so draining for me. 
um, and I feel like it was spilling into my artistry. Mm-hmm. I wasn't doing my best work. Um, I know some people can talk and lash. I cannot talk and lash. Mm-hmm. Um, I really wanted to produce my best work, and I knew that to do that, like I needed to put a podcast on or something. It's kind of that idea that you were talking about of habit stacking is what yep. it was called. Um, you're growing while you're working. So it's kind of like you're double dipping on what That's you need why to do. I will always preach to other lash artists, like start listening to podcasts with your clients because they leave being like, whoa, like you'll never guess what I learned in my lash appointment today. Like it was so cool. We learned about this or like. You know, I know a lot of lash artists listen to true crime. I do like true crime. I only listen to one true crime podcast. But, you know, we learned about this case or, you know, whatever. I have like six different podcasts I listen to that we just circle through. And it's cool because I'm getting work done. I'm producing artistry that I really love and work that I really love. But also we're learning something, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. It's, it's like watching a movie in your head while your eyes are closed like yeah what a benefit to the client too that it's not because obviously like people are interested in true crime not knocking anyone that listens to that because I know like 90% of lash artists listen to true crime podcasts but actually if you're listening to this you probably also dabble in other stuff obviously um but I do think that for people that have anxiety like myself, I don't like to subject myself to certain things. Yeah. So if my artist was like into that, I'd be like, dang, like I have to endure this. this. A lot. But I wouldn't even want to tell them like, no, at the same time. Yeah. Like, you know, so I think the growth and development that comes from pod- some podcasts is a benefit to a client. So um, what podcasts do you cycle through? Okay. My Holy Grail podcast. I think there's like six of them and I'm caught up on all of them. So we just like wait till the new episode comes out. But I also have certain clients that I know really like specific ones. So sometimes I'll save episodes for them. Um, Morbid for true crime. That's like the only true crime podcast that I really will religiously listen to. Um, I like it because it gives you like cases of the true crime feel but also they're just good people and mm. it's not so it is intense but sometimes it's not i really enjoy their banter um two hot takes let me give a psa though for two hot takes it is very inappropriate i would not listen to it with like a client that you know can't handle scandal <laughs> because it's very scandalous but they read reddit stories so Oh, it's good for like if you like hearing about drama. Okay, but I love it because the me and the client can just go off on like, girl, what would you do in that situation or you know whatever. Morbid, two hot takes. Jordan Harbinger. I was telling you about oh, him yes. earlier. He's a really good interviewer, and he interviews all different kinds of people, you know, from mm-hmm. wide range of people. So I like that one because we always are learning something. Dark History by Bailey Syrian. I like that one because we're also learning something. Mm-hmm. Um, but she like debunks like just historical stuff. Um, what's my other one? Murder Mystery and Makeup, also by Bailey Sherian. That one's good. How many is that? Four or five? Like five, I think. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty much it. Those are my top ones. And we'll like go back and listen to old episodes. But yeah, listen to podcasts while you lash. That's so cool. I think the, a similar thing is like... Finding different playlists to choose from even of like music if a person's like not into music like okay Well, are you in wait not did I say music or podcast if they're not Not into into podcast then Saying okay. Well, are you into music like and what do you listen to? It's kind of the same feel of like You probably listen to so much variety of stuff throughout the day because of who you're seeing which is yeah a really nice personal touch for sure and I love to also ask the client like you know, did you like this podcast? Like, what did, you know, did you really enjoy this one? Do you like this other one better? Kind of get a feel for, like, what they're into. And anytime I get a new client before the full set, I always ask them, like, what kind of movies do you watch? And, like, do you enjoy podcasts? What kind of podcasts do you listen to? Because if you're into, like, self-help, you know, stuff like that, 
I'll put on Jordan Harbinger or mm-hmm. Love, Happiness, and Success, that mm-hmm. podcast. I told you about it a few weeks ago. That's another really good podcast. Um, you know, if you're into self-help, I have different podcasts I re- can recommend, but I just love them leaving and being able to tell their friends, like, I learned this, you know, whatever. I have such a hard time with, like, finding new things because I get attached to things that I already know. Me too. <laughs> so... If I were getting my lashes and the person is like putting on something new that I might like, that probably would get me into that thing more yeah. than myself finding it on my own. Because it's, I redo, like I watch Harry Potter every day. Yeah, you're a Harry Potter, Potter girl. Yeah. I love that. that. I still have never seen them. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, we're going to do that <laughs> okay, together. A little I actually, for my birthday, think I'm going to have like a Harry Potter night. So yeah. Um, Are we going to dress up? That would be cool, but definitely like bake cookies and it'll be really fun. (laughs) Um, But anyway, no, that's so cool. I love that. And um, I think it just shows that you have a desire to not only like grow yourself, but like you want that for your clients too. And it's a very telling thing that you looking at, okay, how can I make these appointments better? Because really that becomes so much more of a natural, easier, less friction way, like we talked about, of building a clientele because it's just you end up, you you were telling me earlier, like off camera, you feel like your clientele right now is like perfectly curated just for you and you love my dream clientele. Yeah. Yeah. And so it, um, I think it has so much to do with like how you do this. Yeah. 100%. I, I agree with that. And Yes, like wanting all of that for your client because they are investing so much time and so much money. It's you can't not have a connection with them. You're seeing them every two weeks mm-hmm. for years sometimes, you know. Mm-hmm. So I love seeing the evolution of that and just, you know, them being more confident and wearing less makeup and taking better care of their skin and having better, you know, self-care routines because they're having to wash their lashes and They're having to come in for their fills and take time for themselves to just chill. And I think people want to be getting serviced by, no matter what it is, people that are, like, really wanting it to be the the best. Yeah. Yeah. So what event do you have going on? And, like, did you like that curl that I tried last time? Oh, I think we should try this. That makes somebody so much more willing to come back and try you time and time again yes versus well i kind of like what she does i'm gonna go try this other girl because she doesn't really seem like she would be up for like changing something she's never talked about that at least if you can be the lash artist that has such good communication with your clients like you will provide them an experience that they're not going to get with the next lash artist like constantly asking them like what do you like about your lashes right now? Like, do you want to change anything? You know, we're doing this curl. I also have this curl. Do you want to try it? How are you feeling about the length? You know, how are you doing cleansing? Is it too much for you? You know, like, how can we make it a little bit easier and, you know, less friction in Mm -hmm. your day to wash your lashes? Like, just having good communication skills, I feel like is literally the number one thing when it comes to good business practice mm-hmm. and establishing good relationships with the client. It's just being so transparent, being able to educate them on what you're doing and also just being empathetic and transparent to what the experience is like for them and how you can make it better. Was there ever a point when you first started out that like you felt timid or like nervous to talk to these new people that you were meeting and welcoming into your space? I think whenever I first started and I was working for somebody, yes, because I didn't feel like I had that much control. I kind of felt like I was just like there just Mm -hmm. like doing stuff. I feel like whenever I finally went off on my own and was completely solo, that's when I feel like I built a lot of confidence because I was like, you know, this is my space. Mm-hmm. I, I was able to move. I'm doing all of this on my own. Like, this is my business. This is how I'm going to run it. These are things that I have, you know, established, whatever, whatever. That's when the confidence came. And I felt like I literally could talk to any client about anything. Yeah. And just time, too. Yeah. I've been lashing for seven years. I don't think I said that, but. Oh, wow. Yeah. Did you hear that loud bang? Yeah. 
This is why I could never listen to true crime stuff because I'd always just think something's going to happen to me. <laughs> I got you. I'm ready, though. Like, if anything were to ever happen, like, I would be the one that would, like, go, like, toe-to-toe. My grandma gave me this thing. It's in my purse right now. I could whip it out if we needed to. It's like a monkey ball. It's like a rope that has like a weighted ball at the end. So like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Have you seen um, Black Panther? Yeah. You you know, they're like the, yeah. what are those called? No, it's not a spear, but it's a long thing. Like where the warrior women, they like press oh, something. Oh yeah, I don't know what it's called. I, mean, I can think of which one. Yeah. <clears throat> they really have those in real life. Like they have these things that are this big and you press a button and then you move your finger off of it and it just oh. makes this huge stick and it's like shoots out really strong. So that's like a cool, I don't have one, but I want one. Wow. Yeah. What's the the um, thing that Wakanda has? Vibranium. Vibranium. But it doesn't have vibranium. No, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> I love cool, that movie. I watch it all the time. I love it too. Um, okay, so... In the last few years working for yourself, what would you say has surprised you the most about this journey? And also, second part of the question, what has been the most challenging part of working for yourself? Mm, This is a great question. I would say the most challenging part about working for myself has been battling imposter syndrome Hmm. and understanding the concept of radical self-acceptance. Because I feel like as entrepreneurs and as business owners, we are very driven people. And sometimes that's very motivating and it can keep you going, but also it can get you in this loop of like, Never enough. Yep. I'm not doing enough. I'm not I'm not there yet. I have this this goal in mind. I'm not there yet though, so I must not be doing enough. So I think, you know, that coupled with imposter syndrome and just thinking that, you know, you're not where you want to be in your business or you don't, you know, you're not making as much money as you want to, you're not, you know, whatever. Dealing with that as an entrepreneur. I think has been the most challenging part. And I feel like just in the past year, I've been really grasping the concept of that and like realizing how much that has affect me, affected me. Um, also like never taking time off. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like whenever you have your own business mentally, you're always tapped in mm-hmm. because your success is only on you. So it's really hard to say like, okay, I'm on vacation. You know, everything is put in place. I'm good to go. When it's all on you, it's really hard to like fully check out. Whereas if you work at a job, girl, I'm out. I clocked out, (laughs) you know? Mm -hmm. I'm not mentally there at all. I clocked out. Whenever it's your own business, it's really hard because it's, you know, especially if you don't have employees and, you know, no one's, you're running your social media, you're doing everything. It's really hard to ever fully be checked out. So burnout. Radical self-acceptance and imposter syndrome, top three things, I'd say. What's, is that also the most thing that, did that surprise you? Is that that part of it? Yeah. You didn't expect that? No. Mm -hmm. Well, one, I didn't even know those things existed. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I feel like I thought the hardest part would just be like actual lashes, like actually doing lashes or inventory or whatever I don't know but I feel like just the mental stuff has been what's most challenging for me is there anything you feel like that amplifies the imposter syndrome or feeling like you're not doing enough for me social media which is why I do take periods where I take major steps back I'm not someone who's very consistent on social media I will go through periods where I'm creating content, I'm feeling good, I'm interacting, and then I'll go through periods where I'm like, all right, y'all, I'm in real life, checked in, like I got to work on myself for a little bit, I'm going to step back. Um, And during those times, I feel like I just utilize stories a lot. 
which has been helpful. You know, what's crazy is I, I also, by the way, just notice that I say that all the time in response to something. I, I've done it to you like five times today. I'll be like, you know, what's wild. You know, what's something, you know, it's this, like I've been saying that all day. Um, But I was going to say that there are so many people that say that about social media or they'll come back from their break and they'll announce it. Like I'm, I'm back. Like I just need to take some time. And I always want to say, that's fine. Like take your time because no one even noticed. Not that's a good and bad thing, right? It's, it's good because you know that like, hey, you're the only one that cares how much you're posting. But when you do cr- come across everyone's feed again, they're just like, oh, Faith is back. Like, yeah, you know. cool. Love to see your post. Yeah, you never have to apologize for taking a break. Ever. And it'll always be here. It'll always be there. You are not hindering yourself. You're not hindering your growth as long as you're utilizing your time in a way that, you know, sets you up for success and you're giving yourself the, the break that you need and you're actually checking out and not self-sabotaging yourself or making yourself feel bad for taking a break. Yes. It's literally a fake world. (laughs) So that's what I wanted to ask too, is like, let's say you're in that, you're either in that mode of like feeling in your imposter syndrome energy or whatever. What brings you out of that? (sighs) Creating content that doesn't make me think that much. Something I've been doing recently is making a reel that is just a random video with like something that I want to say on it. And it's crazy because those reels do the best. If you put too much thought into a reel, it's probably not going to do that well. But what brings me out of that when I feel like I'm I'm having a day where I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll create content today. I make it something that is easy and authentic because we're definitely in a place right now where people are starting to realize that social media is fake and we are only portraying the best sides of ourselves and the best sides of our business. Mm-hmm. So if you can be real and genuine and authentic and and produce content that's relatable and not picture perfect, I feel like that is what gets you out of a funk because you're like, I'm being true to myself right? and I'm not putting too much pressure on myself. I'm not creating content that is, you know, not real. Mm -hmm. Do you feel less of a pressure to create content because now you feel like you have like your dream clientele? Yeah. Was it more of a thing in the beginning? Yeah. I was thinking about that today. Like, I feel like now I send out a lot more newsletters like through email marketing. I definitely love just like sending my clients a cute little email more than I do creating a post. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, definitely, definitely that whenever I'm on socials now, it's more just to interact. Mm -hmm. I still do my hashtags and stuff like that. And I still get clients from that. Like they'll be like, Oh, I found you on the Austin lashes Mm -hmm. hashtag, whatever. But um, yeah. Crazy. Cause I, I used to, be so heavy on that whenever I worked by myself Mm -hmm. the Austin lashes one I got so many clients from that hashtags or Mm -hmm. I had this ex-boyfriend who in front of my family like the first time he met them he just kept saying hashtags or cash so it just made me smile (laughs) because I remember him saying that and it's so lame but it's kind of true um anyways no it is true because it's it's crazy because they all they stay Mm mm-hmm like your posts, you know, someone can see your post from a year ago from yep. hashtags. Yep. If your post does really well, it actually is the first thing that they see because it's on like the top yep. posts in that hashtag. You actually have to click a different one to see recent. Yeah. Is that right? Because then isn't it top and then recent? You can go to top or recent, I thought. Honestly, I'm not 100%, but that would make sense. 99% sure. That's how it works. Yeah. So another question about social media and then we can go to something else. Um, I wanted to know... The type of, like, who are you talking to in your posts? Is it clients, potential clients, or is it artists? This is a good question because I've done both. Okay. I've gone, I feel like when I first started on my social media, it was strictly clients. Right. I only talked to clients. Um, and then I kind of started dabbling in the idea of being more of a mentor and, like, you know, 
mentoring other lash artists and like doing my coaching calls and doing more trainings. Um, and so then I started talking more to the lash artists. And now I always hear people say like, you should have a niche, like you should have one clear audience. I can agree with that, but my content now is more just, this is me. Yeah. This is my life. Like, right. This is what I do. You're so actively a lash artist, so it makes sense to do a yes. little both. Yes. With that being said, do you think that, let's say someone's just starting out and a lot of their content, you know, they're not fully booked yet. They're they're still wanting to build their clientele. Do you think it's important that they understand or that they are kind of talking to the audience of like client or because I kind of feel like it could be done a little bit too soon like you starting trying to establish yourself as an expert that's a good strategy but I almost see like it could be people could see through that yeah and they know like you're just maybe trying to cash grab by selling yourself in that way before actually proving that you have done it yourself? Yes. I, if I were a new lash artist building clientele, and I feel like I did a good job of this whenever I was starting out, is my posts were very educational. Like I was very transparent and very educational as as far as like, you know, your lash extension should never hurt. Right. So you're educating the client. The client, you know, it's also helpful for other lash artists because they're getting bits of knowledge, but also the client is like, damn, she really knows what she's talking about. Mm -hmm. You know, this other person I've gone to never talked to me about what she's actually doing. Right. You know, whenever she's removing extensions, I never knew, you know, that you had, they had to replace outgrown extensions, but, you know, this person is actually teaching me how to, how it all works. Mm -hmm. That just goes back to like being transparent, like being so communicative and transparent in what you're doing. I feel like sets you apart Mm -hmm. in the best ways possible. I almost feel like it builds trust to be watching someone's journey on social media of like, oh, she's actively building her clientele right now. She's not trying to sell me something and act like she's already done that. Yeah. I'm getting to watch that journey and I want to be on that journey. Yes. That feels so much more trustworthy than seeing like, you're not booked at all, but yeah. you're trying to sell me a class type yeah. of thing. 100%. But I, but I do think it's a great goal to have is like one day want to be a trainer. That's an amazing thing to be. And I think we just have to get there naturally. I think students actually will come to you yeah. If you've proven yourself as like a lash artist or business owner or something. For sure. And I'm definitely in like the pivotal point of that right now, like trying to figure all of that out, but definitely letting it happen naturally. I know that when you have a business and when you work for yourself and you do wear all of the hats, you kind of, it's just a lot to keep up with all the time. Is there anything that you do outside of work um, routine wise? Like, do you have a specific like morning routine or evening routine or even just like aspects of that that help you yeah I feel like I'm a big routine person nighttime and morning time and let me just start by saying too that like some days my routines are not perfect I'm not gonna sit here and act like every day you know I do this 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 and this you know every day is kind of different but I do make sure that I have certain habits put in place because I know they set me up for success um as far as like a morning routine, I always make my bed. Always. I started that like maybe two years ago, three years ago, because I wanted to be a more organized person. I wanted to be a neater person. I wanted, you know, my space to be peaceful and less chaotic. So I always make my bed. I feel like that's a really good habit to have. Everyone should have the habit. Because mm-hmm. I, yeah. I don't, but I should. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. um, Making my bed. Um, I always will drink some type of something. Tea, uh, chlorophyll water, greens, something like that on an empty stomach. Um, I don't know why. In my head, it just makes sense. I feel like that's a good habit to have. Um, My special needs um, English bulldog. He has his whole routine, so I do his stuff. I have to, like, hand feed him 
with a glove and like do all this stuff. So I do all of, all of his his things, um, and then mornings are mornings are easy. Mm-hmm. Mornings I just try to you know have some time for myself and just make sure that you know I am starting my day with intention. This is what I want to get done today. This is, you know, things that I want to think about throughout my day. I want to be mindful of these things, especially like my inner dialogue, you know. Sometimes in the morning I'll I'll just think to myself like, okay, today's going to be a good day. You know, we're going to get ourselves out of those little negative habits, those loops that we go through in our head. And I set my intention for the day and we go about it. Um, nighttime routine. I feel like preparing for the next day, reading 10 pages a day of a book and exercise. You exercise at night? Yeah. Okay. I feel like the morning time is like when you should use your brain the most. And then nighttime is when you use your body the most and then go to sleep. That's so crazy because I am the opposite. You're the opposite? Yeah. Which is totally cool. I feel like everyone is so different. For some reason, like... In the mornings, if I work out, I just feel sick. Really? Yeah. So I love, like, getting off of work. I'll go home, walk my dog, whatever, and then go to the gym. I've been bringing my books with me, and I'll do it on the treadmill, and then I do my lift. And then, yeah. What else do I do for it? Oh, skincare. Ooh. I do have a good nighttime skincare routine. As of recently. My uh, esthetician, Maddie, the Waxing Sanctuary, I'm going to plug her real quick. She put me on a lot of really good products. What it's are you using? Face Reality. That's the line that she uses. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of good, like, gel serums. Mm-hmm. I, like, double cleanse. Do my gua sha. All that good stuff. I um I really love Glow Recipe. Is it pink? It's, like, pink, and there's, like, a, a orange pack, like, an orange bottle. There's a green one. There's I think I got that in my Sephora birthday Probably. Thing. It's from Sephora. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Brings out like a very glowy finish. I love skincare. Yeah. 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 I think what else nighttime? Do you try to, <clears throat> do you make sure you're in bed by a certain time so that you can set yourself up for the success the next day? I feel like I always just try to get somewhere between six to eight hours of sleep. I definitely don't sleep enough though. I, have trouble getting like good REM sleep (sighs) I don't I know why it's because I'm on my phone too much yeah 100% I know that's why so sometimes I'll try and like just read instead of being on my phone before I go to bed Mm -hmm. um but always six to eight hours I don't necessarily make sure I'm in bed by a certain time usually as of recently though I've had to because um I'm seeing a chiropractor three times a week, and my appointments are at 7.15 a.m., so I have to make sure I'm in bed by, oh my gosh. like, 10.30. I know. I don't know why I did that to myself. Yeah, probably so that it doesn't affect the rest of your day. I'm done by, like, 8.30, so if I have a 9 a.m., I just go to work. So as a chiropractor for lash artistry-related things, or why? Yes. All lash artists should go to a chiropractor for sure, 100%. Um, You got an x-ray? Yeah. So I had been wanting to go to a chiropractor for a while because I have scoliosis. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to get updated x-rays, just kind of like see how my curve has progressed, you know, what's happening. Your neck is supposed to be at a 45 degree curve, but from looking down and lashing like a shrimp all day, my curve is at a five. So your your neck is supposed to be like this? My neck is like this. And that's so detrimental to your health because you have nerve endings in between each vertebrae. And so when your your spine, you know, has abnormal curves, your your nerves in between each vertebrae aren't functioning and sending your brain the signals that they should be. So that affects anxiety, your sleep, your metabolism, everything. And so when I saw that on my x-ray and, you know, saw the chiropractor, it just really put it into perspective. Like, 
I'm a full-time lash artist. I have been for so long and I'm not taking care of my body. You know, I don't want to be in my 30s, 40s, like having issues that I can't fix. Yeah. Um, so chiropractor and exercise, like 100%. We don't get health care. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't have health insurance through our jobs. So do yourself a favor and like take care of yourself in that way because it is a very demanding job on your body. We literally sit all day, so inactive. We literally are, you know, not burning anything. And that's such an unnatural movement to have such small micro movements in your hands, you know, going, you know, just all your nerves in your hands and in your neck and all that. You just really have to take care of yourself. I think a benefit to being a lash artist is that you could provide a service for someone that you need a service from because you were telling me that you trade something else, not mm-hmm. chiropractor services, right? Or like, actually, yeah, you got a connection. Yeah, my, my chiropractor, I found through somebody who knows me through lashes. It just worked out. But yeah, I definitely, anytime I have a new client that has a business or like does a service, I will always go see them. Mm-hmm. Like my hairstylists are always clients. My estheticians are always clients, my waxer, you know, yeah. all of it. Um, so 100%. But yes, go see a chiropractor because this is also such a new industry that we don't know how we're all going to be when we're in our 60s, 70s. Mm-hmm. And the it's so unnatural. <laughs> I the, think it's interesting the thing that you were saying, like how it kind of contributes to anxiety. Mm-hmm. How many lash artists do you know that have anxiety or... Yep. That, I mean, it's like kind of the perfect recipe for a person with anxiety to be a lash artist because you don't have to like physically face someone. Yeah. Their eyes are closed and you're yeah. just like, okay. But um, I think that's interesting that lashing also contributes to that. Yeah. I don't know if that's connected because I would say I had anxiety before I was a lash artist, but it probably is definitely worth looking at to make sure you know, you at least know physically what's yeah. going on. Therapy yeah. and chiropractors. I think massages are important too. We sit down so much. I think also like your hip flexors are important to make sure because uh, people that work a lot at desks, they have issues also. Like my dad had back issues for so long because of his hip flexors. And yeah. so um, I know that there's people that even promote like certain stretches that lash artists should do. Yeah. Um, but all in all, I hear you. You're saying like, can't just be chugging away at these sets and not Mm-mm. thinking about the physical. Yeah, you have to take care of yourself. You know, it's your business is important, but you are also very important. And your health is important, and mm-hmm. that's something that can deteriorate. You know, yes. and you can't do your best work if you're not taking care of yourself. Right, you won't be in the business long. Yep. It goes quick. <laughs> um, and not overworking yourself. Yeah. I was actually going to ask you about that. Like, now that you feel like you're content with the clients that you have, what is next for you? Is it um, scaling your business in a way? Is it more like, you know, personal growth and development? What is it? Yeah. Um, this year has brought me some of the biggest changes I've ever had in my whole life. And so I'm so grateful for my business and I'm so grateful to be where I am as far as my career goes. Um, Definitely what I see next for myself is just taking care of myself in ways that I never have before. And I think that looks like traveling. That looks like building, you know, better connections with my friends and my family. Um, as far as business goes, I am very comfortable with where I am, but also like implementing a lot more mentoring, coaching calls. I really want to start an online course and I'm going to um, for sure. I'm just wanting to do some traveling. I'm wanting to, you know, feel free, feel new, feel rejuvenated um, and take care of myself in in ways that I haven't before. Mm-hmm. And I think it's cool to also see the the tie between working on yourself. It actually ends up, yep. you know, pouring into your business too. Because 
you'll be on that plane probably getting a bunch of ideas yep. for your course or like creating it on the plane. I do that all the time. Yep. It's yeah. so important though, but if we neglect ourselves, like you actually don't have the any resources left for no. anything. You have to you have to fill your cup up in order to do all of the things that you're wanting to do. Mm-hmm. You have to take care of yourself and, and give yourself those breaks and be able to listen to your body physically and mentally so yeah. that you can go further and do those really scary things and the next big step that you want to do in your business. But if you're not nurturing yourself in other ways, it, the fear of starting that new thing will overtake you to where you don't ever get there. Yes, you know? agree. Everything you want is on the other side of fear. And growth is uncomfortable in itself. Yeah. Like 100%. it's the whole, that's the whole idea behind it. Yep. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of this. Yeah, this was so fun. I love this so much. Yay. Podcasts are fun. Yeah, I think this was a great conversation that's going to be so helpful for so many artists, like no matter what stage they're in. Yeah, um, we talked about a lot. I know. <laughs> I'm like, wait, what did we even talk about? <laughs> <laughs> no, we no, we really did cover a lot. I think um, the overarching thing was mostly just taking care of yourself and also giving that gift to your clients too. Yes, and. Love that. The fact that building a business doesn't have to have so much like like tension and stress, like it can actually be pretty soft and natural and you can still get to that same place without like freaking out the whole time and, and neglecting yeah. yourself. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And like do other things in life that you want to do outside of your business. Yeah. It all can intertwine and it all can flow if you let it. So, love it love so that. beautiful if, conversation i know Thank if you. people want to connect with you after or after hearing this where can they find you yeah it's um my instagram handle is faith marie lash artistry it's kind of long i guess <laughs> is that how they can like book a call with you too if yes. you want them to reach out that way yeah so if you go to my instagram um i'm working on like kind of revamping my website right now but if you go on there you can book um a coaching call I'm basically doing those. They're really fun. It's it's just like a little FaceTime call for an hour and we talk about whatever it is, you know, you feel like you want to talk about. But I create like a little note sheet to refer back to. Um, and it's cool because, you know, it's whatever you want it to be. Um, but those are really fun. But yeah, I'm always on stories. Usually those are really easy for me and I like to connect on there. So Love it. We'll we'll add that to the show notes. So if anyone's looking to connect with Faith, just check that out. Um, but thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. This was so fun. Thanks for having me. Of course.